Hello and welcome to another episode of the Game of London podcast. Uh, my name is Stuart Deville. Uh, I'm co-founder of Game of London. You by now will be quite familiar with my voice if you've been following the podcast. Um, and with me today is Niall Crabtree. Uh, I'll briefly let him introduce himself. Oh, only briefly. Okay, I'll keep it short. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I'm uh, I, I'm Niall. I'm a game designer. I'm currently working in industry. Uh, working on a top secret VR project, um, but working primarily as like a level designer, uh, but also which is um, important to this topic in particular is that I'm currently a part-time lecturer uh, teaching game design at the University of Huddersfield. Nice. Yeah, so today uh, our topic is game dev education. Uh, it's basically what we're going to be talking about in a nutshell. Um, um, as has been alluded to, uh, now has been doing some uh, some lecturing. I uh, was up until very recently uh, a game design lecturer myself, um, and we have both decided that there's quite a lot uh, that people don't know about uh, game development education. Probably, um, I, I, it might even be good for uh, students who are like just, you know trying to pick a course or whatever to kind of understand what they'll be getting into and. Uh, if you're looking to get into teaching on the teaching side of things, we can maybe highlight a few things there too. Yeah, that's definitely that's um, an interesting thing that you touched upon there because uh, the uh, I think it'll be good to explore um, what it means for people who are looking to go into game dev or like looking to do a degree in game dev. Because from mm -hmm. what I found anyway, when I was because I'm actually currently teaching the same course which I just finished, like I just got the yeah. degree in it, um, and on both sides of things there are definitely people who go into it because they like to play games and not yeah. necessarily because they like to make games. And that's a big, like, sort of like a rude awakening for them with that. So that'd be interesting. Yeah. I mean, so I was working uh, in a college, so uh, helping students get into university. And, and a lot of it is uh, with, with college, I find that, that, you know, students are trying to actually even figure out what the hell it is they want to do. And I think college can be a good place to do that. But we, we had the same, and I think some of it comes from the parents, like parents are like, oh, you play computer games. You don't seem to be interested in anything else. Go do that. Um, but they have, they actually, parents have, uh, depending on the parent, I would imagine, but parents generally, it would seem, have no idea what is involved in a game development course. Um, fortunately, the colleges, would um, we were doing quite a lot of stuff, like meet the tutor events before students signed up, so parents that were interested in uh, it, finding out more were able to talk to me directly and I was able to explain to them that you know with, with the particular course I was teaching I tried to make sure that there was a really really broad overall covering of, of game development so we went everything from uh, design conceptual stuff into some uh, actual nitty-gritty of building models and all of that uh, side of things and um, I even went as far as um, games journalism, so that literally by the time the student left us, if there was anything that they were interested in in games, or if there was anything that they were personally interested in, they could probably plug it into a game development career, because there is so much that you can do in game development, both in the actual nitty gritty of making the game, and in like the marketing of the game, or if you just want to write reviews about games and stuff, it's quite a broad I mean, that's why it's the biggest, it's the biggest, not the biggest, but um, in terms of money each year, uh, the games sector now makes more money than the film and music 
combined. No, it, yeah, it is interesting. Like all the different avenues you can go down. Um, a slight, a slight, not tangent, but like kind of, um, I can't even think the right word, like story, essentially. So mm-hmm. I was, I've been friends with this guy. He's called Dave uh, for about maybe, well, I, I, I've known of him at least for like six or seven years. Um, and he's a few yeah. years older than me. And I had no idea that we pretty much lived the same life up until like a certain point where we branched off. So we both yeah. went to the same college. We both went to the same university to do game design. And then um, he ended up like branching off and getting a job in um, market. Yeah, it was a uh, marketing or PR, uh, roughly like similar field for uh, Team Seventeen. So, and the funny thing is, as well, like he ended up referring me to Team Seventeen as well. So it might end up like converging again at some point. Um, but yeah, and another thing as well, which you said, which was so true for my parents, and I think for a lot of people as well, is like when, it, especially when it's a digital a digital medium which doesn't have like real people in it immediately all tangibility is lost for how that thing is made like um mm-hmm. when i because I, I first got started by making board games before i've moved into video games um yeah and literally i says i mean that is a more tangible product but even with that like i said to my parents oh i want to make video and want to make board games and then they were like i didn't realize people made those i just thought they appeared <laughs> on the show and that's the same with games as well they thought they just like happened um and then that obviously goes into i mean it's, it's not even with parents it's with like just a general uh even like people like in the 20s and 30s i mean we saw the gta 6 leaks uh, a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and the reactions to like three years outdated screenshots and like even just even if they were up-to-date screenshots people would say oh it looks awful like i can't believe they're working on this game they should just not do it when they it just shows how little people know about game dev yeah I mean, it, and we we as game developers uh, experience this all the time with um, our audience, like the, the vitriol that we can get from an audience because a game is delayed and they're like, just release it already. What, <laughs> like, you know, and that, <laughs> which and, and from their perspective, you know, they just see games pop up all the time. So they literally have no idea of just how uh, how privileged they are in their position to just get to receive all of the stuff that we make. Um, and it seemingly is, well, it's either good or it's bad, but for, for the most part, we try and make sure they're receiving good stuff and they do receive it. Um, yeah, and, and and we get a lot of backlash from people that just don't understand yeah. how it's done and how much work goes into it. Um, and I think even, like, there's been a lot of news over the past, like, few years about crunch and how, you know, how hard the industry is on game developers. And still, the audience just don't. <laughs> e- either they are still ignorant, and that that information doesn't get through to them, or whatever. Um, or they literally are just really mean people. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. They don't. They think crunch is bad, but also they don't want their stuff to get delayed. That's like kind yeah. of like the two th- things, and they want both. But yeah. Um. But yeah. Anyway, so what I also want to talk about because it's something because I've recently just gotten into teaching. Um. I had a yeah. very like uh sort of like passionate reason behind it what was your sort of reason for getting into uh teaching um game development when you started off so um so i've got kind of like a a history of teaching um i many many years ago now i was a deputy manager of a preschool so i used to look after uh really small uh minds and honestly that's kind of like the best the best brains you can work with are the tiny ones um, and, when, and when this uh, opportunity came up for me to um, 
apply for the, the job at the college um originally i was kind of like i know that i can teach people like i had done uh small workshops and stuff in terms of game development um but i'd never like taught an entire curriculum um and when i went for the interview for that for that job i was kind of thinking i, I don't know if they're actually going to give this to me um my experience is with like uh two to four year olds and these are very different people <laughs> very with different age ranges uh but it actually turned out that a lot of the stuff that i learned um through uh through my job at, at the nursery um was really relevant because that you know children of any age have the same social emotional development problems um they're still struggling with making friendships and uh dealing with their emotions and, and all of this stuff so uh they were completely happy with the fact that i would be able to teach everything that i know because like i've been doing game dev long enough that they were like you've got a strong background there and it was just the added bonus that I had this experience. Um, I I was doing my like level three in childcare, so I, I had all of this other experience in the health and safety aspect. Um, so it's kind of a little bit of like I I wanted to do it because I love game development and everything that I do, um, like even with Game of London, I'm doing because to share my knowledge and love and, and passion of game development. Mm -hmm. um, so this just seemed like the best way for me getting into that. And yeah, it just so happened that they thought I was good for that too. Yeah. What about yourself? Um, for me, it was um, much. It was it was kind of like a, a very personal thing for me because, like, like I said before, um, I I'd, I'd literally just finished a degree. There was um, there was actually probably less time between me picking up my degree to be teaching than the students finishing college and then coming to uni. Like it was very very quick. Uh, what happened yeah. was essentially a teacher sort of just left um, at the last minute. Uh, kind of thing and then one of the teachers who knew me knew that I knew game design well enough and I, I was very comfortable with like presenting and like you know like being up in front of people just like offered me the job um so it wasn't it wasn't really necessarily something which I sought out but going into it I definitely had uh things which I, I wanted to do and like sort of like motivations behind it so one, one of the reasons was um and I don't know whether this was a sort of a bubble of my like year group or the course in particular the way it was taught but even going up to final year, which for some people was four years on this course, people didn't know what a game designer was on the mm. game design course because the game it was called game design, but it had um, game design, game art, and also game prototyping using Unreal Blueprints. Um, yeah. And literally up until final year, people thought a game designer and a game artist was the same thing. So one of the things which I wanted, and that, that it, it wasn't just like a surface level issue of like, no, I'm a game designer, you know, like, like understand what I do. It was more of like people lacked any sort of appreciation for game design as a, um, as, as like a, a part of game development. They just assumed mm. that um, if they made something look nice and the programmers made it look, made it functional, then it would just be a good game. Um, yeah. So that was something which I wanted to go in and sort of instill to, I'm teaching first year, so I wanted to sort of instill to them like straight away, like game design is a separate separate thing. It needs to work. Even if you're not going to be a game designer, you're going to be a game artist because people branch out in a bunch of different avenues as the course goes on. You need to still understand and appreciate um, game design because then your work will improve because of it. Like if your art is based off the the like design pillars or like player personas or anything like that related to game design, uh, then it'll end up being better artwork. It'll work with the game better. Um, 
And the second thing as well is at the moment, anyway, from what I've well, from what I've seen, it's it's impossible to break into the industry. I got incredibly lucky uh, with getting my first job in video game development uh, because um, it so happened to be like I I saw like a, not picked a mentor, um, but like I saw after this particular person um, who was on the course a few years ago, and I wanted him to mentor me, and it so happens that he uh, ran his own uh, uh, game development studio called Sigtrap. Um, after a few months of talking, like he would, I was working on a team project at the time, which was like a first person shooter game. Um, and part of the mentoring was I would show him the work, I would get into playtest, I would talk about uh, the level design decisions which I made. Then he eventually offered me the job as a level designer. Um, but no, not very many people have the privilege or like get lucky enough down that route to be able to get a job. And like yeah. you see on LinkedIn all the time, um, you know, junior game developer, like literally the bottom, uh, junior game designer, literally the bottom uh, rung to get into the, the unless, uh, well, unless you count QA as well, but I, I feel like those are more like sort of like um, on the same line. Um, but yeah. the, the, the bottom way to get into industry and you need a minimum of like one year experience plus one release title. Which, so it's impossible. Um, so what I wanted to do is make it so that students straight away were uh, had a change their mindset to be more focused on um just outputting as much as possible because uh, a lot of students especially from what i've seen generalizing artists um like tend to sort of hide their work and don't show it because they're worried about criticism um they feel like their work's never finished and never show it anywhere i had a bunch of students in final year who did amazing work but didn't put it on their portfolio so they weren't getting any um callbacks for interviews or anything like that as soon as they did then they would do um, yeah. So I, I wanted to try and sort of, even from first year, prepare them from industry as much as possible. Because something which helped for me definitely in first year was um, releasing board games. Like first year and second year, I released three board games. And having that on my CV helped so much to get interviews, even though it's still incredibly competitive. Um, that side of thing helps. So that's probably like my main sort of two motivators um, that led me to like be well, really excited about the role pretty much. Yeah, I mean, there's two very good points you brought up there. But one is um, that uh, even now, game design and game development are used interchangeably. Um, at my college, um, when I started, it was uh, called a game design course. Um, and over the time of my my being there, I, I kind of, I, I fell into the trap, if I'm honest. Like, I, I was saying it's game design course, but really it was a game development course. And it was more of a foundation course with the broadness of, of which we were teaching. Um, so the the confusion starts really early on mm -hmm. um, when when students or, or or anyone is looking to get into the industry, because um, game development is considered game design. Making whatever aspect of making a game is considered part of design, whereas actually designing a game uh, is like you say, it's an entire skill set of its own. Uh, and the other, the other thing that you brought there. <clears throat> which is that um, teaching even now is still trying to catch up with industry, still trying to catch up with terminology, what sort of defined roles are. When I joined the college, there was, I was doing a lot of educating of my peers, like of, of the people that I worked with about um, what the roles were, what my jobs were. Um, and, and yeah, it, there's, the, the other thing is that the games, industry is moving so fast anyway but it's hard for us within the industry to keep track and we need to get better at um conveying how everything works and what everything means 
and, it, and again, this you know, this is part of the reason why I, I created the Game Development Podcast because we want to get more of this information out there. We need more people to understand what it is that we're doing to try and eliminate as much of this confusion as possible, so that it is easier for indies or or for anyone to get into the industry. And and then even what you mentioned there about your path into getting into the industry, um, <clears throat> which is quite a unique path, but it is kind of one of the best ways to get into the industry because it is insanely hard um, when you're looking like for jobs on LinkedIn. Um, and, and a lot of the problems that come with those job postings is both um, that recruit, a lot of them are posted by recruitment agents and those agents don't understand what it is that they're trying to recruit no, for really. I've fair share of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, and sometimes an indie studio like the the people in the, within the studio might have experience making games, but they don't have experience on the business side of things. They don't have experience how to create a role, how to give someone enough of a job that that's worthy of the pay structure that they're putting in, and not asking for things that are ridiculous. Um, and a lot of people who kind of start their own studio tend to be the people that have a broader skill set. They're more generalists. So everything to them seems easier. Um, like, um, for example, I have a lot of skill sets when it comes to game development, on, especially on the, on the visual creation side. Um, and so all of those jobs for me, uh, it's quite easy for me to load my plate with, let's say, uh, doing concept art, taking that into um, final designs through to 3D models, rigging, animating, that's like four people's separate jobs. That's not, and, and yet you still see job posts that are including this entire slog and they're getting paid for like one role, um, which is fine if it's all like small parts of this, but it tends not to be. It tends to be like a full person's job with a full person's job, like along the full pipeline. Yeah, um, four jobs, but only one uh, pays worth of jo one jobs worth of pay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And some of these people have, I've also had uh, the privilege of, of being educated in, in game development. So, you know, they um, maybe game development has, has been like their, their sole passion or whatever. So they've done it at school but while or, or college or, or uni. And while they've been doing that, they've been trying to build their own studio. So they have both the experience and the skills um, and, and the qualification. Um, and so when they create these job posts, they just assume that they're going to try to find people like them not realizing that there are actually, there's not very many people that have that broader an experience. It's actually really hard. Um, and I think the, the, the final thing on that that I'll say is that um, there is a point of privilege in that there are people who have gone to college and university and who have had their first year, probably in like a AAA studio. AAA studios are have quite high turnover sometimes, especially when they're doing project by project basis. And you get a sea of like 100, especially on those the, the major layoffs that happened not that long ago, where they had 300 people who were let go after a project. And then new students are up against people who um, were new students, but now have like a year of experience. And so um, people are trying to employ or, or posting jobs specifically for those people which stops this entry level for everyone who's just trying to make it get in. And that, yeah. that is why we're seeing this explosion in the indie development scene. 
that's why everyone is trying to start their own studio and do it for themselves because it's just so such a wave to get into anywhere like especially triple a yeah definitely and that's the thing as well i mean this is this is dangerously branching off into like a different thing about the like how game development studios hire people um but i will say one thing is like um yeah, the other thing as well is like, because I speak to a couple of people, um, like, for example, other lecturers that I work with have this sort of like network of like higher ups and different companies that they reach out to for when they like, because they, they do actively try and get students jobs, which is very good as well. I think Huddersfield, mm-hmm. out of all the uh, unis who run a game development course similar to theirs, has the highest employment rate, which is shockingly low of like less than 10%. But still, um, but um, yeah, one of the problems which uh, I, I told one of the lecturers this like issue of like not being able to find work, um, and he was like, well, that doesn't make any sense because people are crying out for these these people to come in. Um, but what he was failing to realize is that they were calling out for these senior um, and lead positions, and the reason why there is this, such a drought in those positions is because there is no training up process because students are not students, studios are scared to train these people up. Well, that's what uh, that's what we end up talking about, anyway. Um, this is a hypothesis, um, not not like actually saying for factual. Yeah. But it, it feels like students are, <laughs> not students, oh my God, studios are scared to train these um, students up to then them go to a different company. Um, and then they've done all the hard work and then they've lost that, that senior or lead position which they were training this person up for and they have to try and find another person for it. So I guess that's another reason why yeah um yeah it's, it's, it's difficult because like yeah anyway um i think again though a, lo- a lot of that is people starting studios and not understanding um how you do that and keep these people because this has been a problem historically for, for other industries where they needed to train people up to get them up the ladder and it's better it's always better to promote within mm. than to bring someone in who doesn't understand your company doesn't know the culture and all of this stuff that you that you start to learn from day one and really you're only fully integrated after your first year um so it's always better to do that um but yeah there's always this fear that you train someone up and then they leave so you have to give them really good reasons not to leave um and it's something that other industries do quite well but um the games industry is kind of seemingly yet to catch up on that yeah i mean there is that inter- there's there's always going to be that um, battle with that like uh, 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 I assume people like in charge of money at companies would argue that regardless of how well you treat someone there is that strategy of other companies of just ho- offering more money which is almost all the time why people leave studios to go to different studios because like oh this studio is offering me like 10k extra a year I'll go there instead um, and then that's kind of it then um, but yeah that, I, I, I mean it, it would just be better for the industry as a whole as well um, for people to be trained within more or like promoted within more um because like you said yeah. it does take like a year to get integrated like i found that with my job which i'm at the moment like i'm i think about nine months in now and i'm starting to settle so um yeah i can i can imagine that yeah um, it's a really long yeah. time like all those little small talks that you have over because you don't just get to know someone like it, I, I mean in some very rare cases you might be lucky and you, like the person you sit next to you become best buds within the first week or whatever but like I say, yeah, that, that's rare. You creating and building relationships when you're in a working environment takes a really long time because you're spending more time working and mm. you have these tiny interactions in which you make relationships. That's, yeah. actually, that's actually a good uh, way to segue back onto more of like the education stuff uh, because mm-hmm. talking more about um, 
how the uh how you deal with like students because even like you said with college it's the exact same with university as well which is something which i was a tiny bit short by but then again it was just because like i hadn't been a first year for about five years and i got uncomfortable uh with the uni setting but like yeah it's crazy to see how um like what's the word uh how there's there's like a lot of social friction um that i find between like different students and obviously as well not not to generalize but you do come across a lot of um, more like no, neuro diet neurodivergent uh, students as well in this particular sort of field um so i was just wondering like how have you ever like come across any like particularly not to go into specifics but any particular like yeah. um not uh what's the word like tough like cases to crack kind of thing uh, when it comes to students like uh yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely <laughs> like um there are like say there are some students who uh think differently to each other um in my classroom um, in one of my classes, I had to keep two very different types of students separate from each other physically within the classroom um, because they just, it, it didn't matter how many conversations I would have with them to explain to them, look, you just think differently. You're, you're clashing because you think differently. Mm -hmm. And you can try and have that discussion as many different ways as you want. You're not going to change the way that they think. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. It, it did get to a point where I just separate them physically. Um, and we it was fine like for the rest of the year, pretty much. Um, there's always, it, I think, typically, though, in a game development class, you, the students that are the ones that are going to be more trouble for you are the ones that didn't particularly decide this is what they're going to do. Uh, yeah. It's going to be the ones where their parents said, go to college or get a job. Uh, which is something my mom did to me and I did both but <laughs> but like um yeah you so you're gonna have students that uh that just were like oh I don't want to start working uh and then they and then mum's like well or 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 parent or guardian is gonna say to them well you can't just live here rent free you're either contributing or you need to yeah go to college because that's paid for and then they're out with their hair and they can work and you know all of these things, all of these problems that happen in, in a student's background. So, and I, I did find that those were the students. I even had one student leave within the first two months mm -hmm. because uh, when I had a, a, a full-on discussion with him about why he was being so difficult, like he just wasn't engaging at all in the content or was like, was completely disinterested. It was a really hard struggle to get him to do any work. And finally, I sat down with him and we just had this really long talk. And I was like, well, what is it that you want to do? And he's like, I'm looking at um, doing a, um, uh, oh, what's it called? An apprenticeship in, cook in cookery. Mm -hmm. Like he wanted to go and do cooking. And I was like, that's very wow. different. <laughs> you, yeah. You, um, then there's literally no point me trying to keep you here. Um, if that's what you want to do, that's what you've been looking into. He was like, yeah, I've got like a trial shift next week. And after that, I'm probably going to be out. And so I was like, well, yeah, like if that's what you want to do. Good. Go do that. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, on the other end of it, you've got students who uh, have come in and um, they maybe have done like a Coda Dojo weekend um, at school and they picked up some programming skills and they've been making games like for a year or two before they come to me and then like I can say to them okay we're going to design this and they're like I'm 
fully zoned in and in some cases they can be your best students they can also be some they've, they've got their own ideas because they kind of feel like they already know this stuff um so they do have their own problems too but yeah there's a completely diff mm. different range of uh students that you have to deal with yeah like, like, well, you, you described that quite uh like uh, currently i think it, it's, it's more it's like a spectrum like there's there's like yeah kind of like the middle where like that's where you get like i feel like most of your students are at least a good chunk yeah. where they're like um they're, they're just like fine like they're gone with it kind of things and you have like each end where like super focused and like super disinterested um i kind of uh, i have a similar sort of like group with me at the moment however one thing which because at the moment we're, we're uh, in class is presentation week of like presentation two weeks because uh, the way the module works is you're making a board game and you have to pitch it as if you're pitching it to like a publisher kind of thing um yeah and uh, another sort of thing, which I, I should have foreseen, to be fair, um, was uh, definitely people with uh, like kind of like severe anxiety, which I think uh, is, is a thing. Uh, it kind of it, it does lead from like kind of is um, uh, like you touched on with the like parents kind of saying, oh, you need to go to uni or get a job. I do feel like it's just a societal thing as a whole as well. There's been a huge shift like in the past like decade or so from my understanding where it's not like it's not like a, a shock that people go to uni. It's kind of like an expectation now that people will go to uni, like kind of regardless of anything else. Um, and so people mm -hmm. just end up picking uh, things to do. Um, and I think that uh, a, a lot of students uh, who end up having anxiety um, will pick uh, game design because obviously game design is something which helps them sort of retreat from the rest of the world um, and just sort of has their own like bubble. Um, but yeah. in game dev anyway, one of the, if not the greatest tool you can have is being good at communicating. Like that is like essential. Um, and so that's why we do these pitches is to get people comfortable with communicating. It's not marked in the first year, but second and third year it is marked. So it's like kind of like gearing them up to like, okay, now you're actually going to start getting, getting like critiqued um, and actually like uh, like marked on your ability to communicate. Um, and immediately like within like the first week, um, emails left and right, Discord messages left and right saying, no, I can't do it. Can we do a video presentation? Can we do this and that? Um, and I'll, uh, by case by case, I've, I kind of have the freedom as a teacher to sort of like, uh, especially as it's first year, be, like pick and choose which students I feel like would either benefit from maybe a private pitch instead. So like I'd book out a room in, in the building and like say, I can do it to me. Maybe you can bring a couple of friends to watch you um, and students, which like I, I can I can guarantee that if I make them do it in person, uh, in any <laughs> respect, they will not turn up. So they will do like a video presentation yeah. instead. Um, and again, it, 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 uh, there's a lot of the reason for the video presentation is you might it, it might be like you might think that or one opinion which someone might have is that like you need to like kind of have a tough love sort of thing because they are going to be like forced to do it later down the line. Uh, but in my head as well, I'll, there's a lot of contributing factors to anxiety. One of those is being new to uni. So I feel like once they get mm -hmm. settled in, then when it comes to second year where they have to do it, they might be more able um, to to do it in front of people. Um, yeah, I but, also think know. that like to, to a certain extent, um, public speak public speaking is like a skill set that that can be taught and learned and stuff. And um, but there are some people who like that's more naturally their thing. Mm -hmm. And so actually, by doing like a because uh, this is how I did all of the I did a similar thing for my students where they had to pitch a game idea <clears throat> and I had them all do a video presentation with slides um, so the whole thing is recorded um, and that yeah I think that that tends to allow those who aren't in that in the same position of being able to talk freely 
and those who are better at it. It, it kind of allows both to shine. Yeah. Yeah, so one of the, apart from the um, the presentation, which you have to do for the module, which I'm doing right now, um, like I said, you have to make a board game. But actually, the I could change the way the marks were. So what I did is I made the board game submission actually worth the same amount of marks as a thing which you have to do called a sketchbook, uh, which I don't know if you had to do it in your, for, for college in your classes. Um, but for anybody who doesn't know what it is, uh, essentially it's mainly used for artists but it also it's, it's a great tool to sort of get people into the right workflow of industry um, where you sort of take your process from start to finish uh, giving um, saying basically what you do why you do it um, and then backing up why you do that with evidence and then uh, showcasing feedback and iteration based on that feedback and then it's sort of like a, a timeline from start to finish of that entire development um, and I've never applied for a job as an artist but something which was uh, told to me quite a bit uh, from my like, artist friends that have got a job as well as um, by other lecturers is that um, it will be incredibly rare unless you are insanely good that you will get a job based off an art station art station art station portfolio which is essentially just a beauty render of one character and no explanation as to why you did it um, yeah it's almost the same as like uh, I don't know whether you would have come across this but especially when I was in high school and college like you see those artists with like massive black bags like well, like a big like sort of like a, it's like they're carrying like a 50 inch laptop in the like around with them um, and that's yeah. essentially like over the internet now obviously you have to sort of hand them that whole like booklet of like this is the process from start to finish of how you do something um, yeah. and that was something which when I was um, on the on the course that wasn't really instilled to us as to why you're sort of doing it uh, which is another thing which I want to do with students as well like I don't think I've ever seen any teacher do this but like what the first lecture I did a uh, lecture I did the first slide was a reason as to why you should listen to me like actually giving mm. a reason as to why you should pay yeah. attention not just like I mean they've got other reasons as well such as like they paid money and they've probably gotten a training to get here so they might as well listen uh, but sometimes that's not yeah. enough for people um, so it's like again like a bunch of reasons as to why they should listen to me and like it's, it's the same with the sketchbook as well when I was on the course it was just do the sketchbook but it was never a reason as to why and so another reason which I wanted to do that in case people didn't really care about because like, like we talked about like there's people who just end up going to uni because that is what they're doing and not really a reason as to why um, but if yeah. they're going to uni and they at least want to get good marks then they would hopefully engage with the sketchbook more because I think the board game and the sketchbook are worth like 35% each or something like that. Um, and then there's like other elements everywhere else um, spread apart. Um, but yeah, was that something which you had to do for your course? Or you yeah, got so um, we are, are, the course I was teaching um, was under the UAL. Um, uh, I can't remember what the, but it's, it's a UAL course, even though it's not at a UAL. Because the UAL, yes, it's a university, but they also uh, create um, courses and they sell them to places like colleges. <clears throat> so I was teaching a, a level three in game design. Um, but the way that you, the UAL course works is that you have, uh, the, well, the first years had, I think it was, I'm not going to remember now, but something like six to eight uh, units. Mm -hmm. and for each each of the initial units that you're doing throughout your year um ual kind of takes into consideration that you're learning this thing as you're doing it so by the time you've completed it your mark 
that the grade you're given is either pass merit or distinction. Um, but that's not the grade that you're getting. That's the grade that you're working at. Mm -hmm. So then uh, we kind of review with them. Uh, yeah, this is this is what you've achieved. This is what you could have done to get better. Or if they're already achieving like a really high grade, here's how you can. Here's the things that meant that you got this grade, so you can keep getting this high grade. Um, and here are things that you could do maybe to really razzle the, you know, razzle people at the end. Um, and so uh, at the end of the course, they have what's known as their final major project, which I think university kind of does as standard. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, with their final major project, they take everything that they've learned through all of the units, uh, and they um, they have to do exactly what you've just said. They have to explain why they've chosen to do this project, um, how it's working with everything that they've learned, or how it, it ties in with um, like just having really solid reasons why we want to do it. And some of them had were doing things like, um, I'm doing this because this is the thing that I enjoyed the most. It fits my skill sets, uh, but also uh, fits my um, my interests. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, giving all those reasons. Um, and they go through a similar process where they do that. Uh, there's a little stage where they present for feedback, we give them feedback, they iterate slightly to improve, and then that's their final, final. Yeah. Yeah, it's... And to be honest with you, I think that's a really good process because, like you say, that is what will happen. Um, in it tends to happen through uh, the process of whatever pipeline you're you're working in. As an artist, you will um, <clears throat> explain, or you're you're given a brief. You'll 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 take that away. You then do like some preliminary stuff to say, well, this is what I think from what you've showed me. But, you know, there's a lot of this to back and forth, isn't there? Where it's like. This is what you showed me. This is what I think you meant, because sometimes when we have a straight up discussion, it's not obvious what we were meaning when we said what we were saying. Um, and then that's what that conversation helps solidify or, or clear out any of those any misunderstandings that were happening. Then we go into like doing the actual design of the thing based on that conversation, and then we come back and go, "Look, I made the shiny thing," and they go. Ah, cool. That is kind of yeah. That is more or less there, except X, Y, Z, and then mm. the iteration. Uh, yeah, as as you know. Um, so yeah, I think it's really, really important for students to understand that really, like being able to do the thing is like, um, it's almost like being able to do the thing is the easiest part of it. Yeah, especially for being, artists being as well. Um, because yeah. that, that's why that's, that's one of the things we just said to them as well. Like, they're going to be people. Uh, said to my students, there's going to be people sat in this room right now which have never questioned as to why they are good at art. Like, because obviously some people like grow up drawing, they grow up like like being on the more artistic side um, of things, and like you're going through like um, high school, probably even college as well, and then they get to uni, and then they just they've never thought as to why they do anything which they do. Um, and yeah. when you get to game dev, where you uh, misusing hours, like say you for forty, say you misuse a week's worth of hours, like forty hours. That's like a lot of money for a game development company to waste, and you need to be able to get what's in your brain out and into other people's brains exactly as how you imagine it. That's one of the main things about communicating, and then be able to convince them and back up reasons as to why you do things. Um, and that is completely alien to a lot of people. Um, what I found more so uh, just with artists, just just because there is that um, like the, the sort of the early development of um, like artistic skills and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I found yeah, it I think the yeah. thing is people with um, 
artistic skill sets or and I have a bit of a problem with, with like that kind of terminology anyway because I do feel like programming in uh, a game is just as creative as drawing mm, for a game yeah. but um, if, if you're a, a visual creative you tend to be a visual thinker mm-hmm. and if you're uh, a programmer you tend to have more of a logic and like mathematical kind of mind um, processes seem like makes sense to you whereas when you're yeah a, a visual creative you tend to be a lot more free flow you if you're a painter for example you don't mind if there's a bit of splatter and stuff because that's part of the art of being an artist and and life never has like these clean crisp lines anyway there's always a bit of a, a blurry edge to it um so yeah you have these completely different mindsets that in game development have to communicate mm-hmm. they have to be able to explain the visual fuzzy thinking and the logic thinking and and that's where we have most of our battles <laughs> yeah that, that's the thing like I, i've gone on about art, artists quite a bit but that's as equally if not more so probably de- well definitely more so uh, an important lesson for designers to learn um because like i, I always say that the um the thing that is the hard the hardest part about making the game design document is getting anybody to read it at any point like people just don't like to read and game design documents are important because obviously it's the uh well it's the easiest slash best way to be able to get your idea completely across to other people um but um i was very guilty of this um a couple of years ago um whenever we would work in a team project i was working on a team outside of uni i would just huge like five thousand word document no images no tables and just like this a splur of of ideas out onto the page and i expect everyone to read it and completely understand what i was going on about from what i learned from final year in particular where i took more of a uh sort of um like a vision holder sort of angle where i was like kind of like step back quite a bit from the um, from the project just because there was, there was not to go into detail but there was loads of like tooling which needed to be done and loads of assets we needed to be made before i could get in and start making levels for example um i spent a lot of time crafting game design documents um well, everything related to the game art aspects of the game like that related to design that was in completely visual almost no words and what i found uh, is that programmers or at least the three programmers i were working with love tables they love just having everything in a just a spreadsheet or on a table in in Google Docs or whatever, and just so they can see one thing and see the values, and then like that's all they need to be happy. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, like going back to the sketchbooks, like I feel like um, most unis probably uh, and colleges as well have this like in some form where they have to uh, they they force you to sort of like break down what you've actually done. Um, and I think that can like um, not only does it sprawl into like design documents or sketchbooks for artists to get into industry, but also just like sort of your communication workflow as a whole, which again I think is like one of the most important things you need to know how to do as a game dev. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, and um, with the the course that I was teaching, <clears throat> even right up until like the the final weeks of the final major project, there were a few students where I was having a chat with them and explaining what uh, what grade they were working at um, and they were like but my work is better than like his work mm. and I was like ah okay so you've fallen into like a really bad trap here where <laughs> you thought that you could just like make the game and that's going to be the thing but 
um, his game might not visually be as good as yours or um, thematically might not be as good as yours, but it's a 30-70 split. 30% is the production of the project and how well you did at that. And 70% is you're talking around that, is you're writing up about it and your reasoning and all, all of this other stuff. And I was like, he has loads of that. <laughs> you have next to none of it. Yeah. And then and then they're like, oh my God. So I've got like a week or whatever to I'm like, yeah, get writing, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I I I used an example which was from my second year actually, which was related uh, from my second year on the course, uh, which was um a uh, it was for a visual design module um, where we basically we had free reign to make whatever we wanted. Um, and one of my artist friends who was, is, in, is still incredible, but was even back then really, really good at um, character art, uh, made this like super high poly beauty render of um, this. Uh, like it was a, a World of Warcraft inspired, but a World of Warcraft with like a 4K remaster um, a character, which looked incredible and was like beautiful. Um, and that got 94 out of 100, which is an incredible grade. I think an A is 70. Um, and then um, what I did in my first years is I put that on the slide and I put right next to that um, beauty shot was just a, uh, a not the best 2D um, box art for a board game, which I wanted to make. Like I, I just made like a mock-up of what it would be. And that also got 94 out of 100 as well. Now on the like at the surface level, there's clearly one which deserves way more marks than the other, uh, but it was to illustrate to them how important the sketchbook is because mine was so much better. It sort of like evened out. Um, and um, yeah, so that's just another way to sort of illustrate how important it is, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, even when I started out doing uh, 3D character art, um, I got pretty good pretty quickly at um, having a model that wasn't quite perfect. But having like the compositing and the lighting and the rendering and like the posing dynamic enough that like it made a good render. Um, but in the back end of it, I was because I was being self taught at this point in time, uh, my process was trash, mm. was absolute trash. Um, I and quite a lot of the time, because I had a personal confidence with creating art, like I'd always grown up drawing characters and and I felt like. I knew those shapes, even though really like drawing 3D shapes and making 3D shapes are very, very different. Um, and yeah, it just meant that like I had, if anyone had to come to me and said, oh, that, that character is amazing. Like, how did you get to that? All I could say was, oh, well, it was in here and now it's there. Yeah. Like I, I, I had no preliminary sketches. I had no... Um, drawings of poses. I had no like design detailing of, of why I rigged it the way that I rigged it. Um, no explanation for the UV unwrapping, which I, at that point was total cheat sheet. Like, just I was trying to do the simplest way of getting away with it because my end goal was always just these gorgeous renders. But again, like you say, if that, if I were to present that as part of a college course or a uni course. Um, it it wouldn't get high, highly graded. They'd be like, that's, yeah. that's beautiful, that's that's great, like great end result. But we have no idea where any of this came from. No one could work with you to do this. Like uh, if if someone had come to me and said, yeah, can you create this character? And I just went, there you go. They're gonna go, well, what? 
the first problem I probably would find is that they'd be like, that's not what I wanted you to create. Yeah. Because <laughs> there was no back and forth on, there's no sketches, no nothing. So yeah, like process is, like you said, it, it's just so, so important for students to understand that there, yes, there's a goal, but, and it's, it's one of those cheesy things, but the journey is as important as the final destination. Yeah. 100%. And like what you said there, where like you, you said that the, um, the grade for the, your work wouldn't be super high at uni. Like that is, a, and then you compared it to the industry. That is it. There's like the, the comparison, there is a direct correlation between the marks which you get at uni. Uh, well, it depends on obviously the course and how good it is, uh, but it's yeah. designed anyway to be catered towards like, okay, this is how it would be received if you had the job in industry as well. Um, yeah. so yeah. Um, I was going to mention one other thing, but I completely forgot what it was. Uh, but what I will say is like to sort of like conclude and sort of round it up because uh, we covered like a lot of stuff there. Um, yeah. I'd say that, uh, yeah, uh, there is basically game dev is, even if you think game dev is hard, it's harder than what you're thinking it is. Um, and that if you wanted to get into it, uh, then it's definitely something which you need to actually like want to do because it's not, it's not something like um, I don't want to, bad mouth any other degrees but just like off the top of my head like i don't know like business studies where like you could just like turn up clock in revise and then do an exam at the end like you need to be able to have passion um, and actually want to be able to uh, be a game developer to be able to get into it um and then also as well be prepared to crit uh, take criticism um iterate on your work be told that what you've been doing uh let's say for example if you're an artist what you've been doing for years might not be the right way to do it or it might not like fit certain specifications uh, because if you are passionate and you're talented then the final bit is like being able to actually work in industry and then that's when all the sort of uh, uh i forgot what they're called uh, something skills um like the extra okay. skill yeah exactly the soft skills that you learn whilst at university that those are that sort of the key things that you take away from university i find i mean you learn stuff but those are the i think the main things which will help you get a job and i assume that if you're going for a degree in game dev you want to get a job in game dev at some point i'd imagine yeah when i when i was younger it was um they called uh because I'm, I'm 41 when they called it like being book smart and being street smart <clears throat> and people used to like rave about how book smart was the thing that was going to get you like along in life and then there were people who were like actually being street smart and uh not not what you know but who you know is how you is how you're going to get um mm -hmm. how you're going to do well uh, and realistically you kind of need to be somewhere in the middle you need to be smart enough to know what you're talking about you need to be savvy enough that no one's going to pull the wool over your eyes and you need to be able to do the thing that you say you're going to do. So yeah, yeah you, it, it's it's an all round thing. You can't you you can't there can't be too much emphasis on any one thing. And if you the one of the things that you as an artist specifically you need to get really good at, and actually kind of anything in, in development really, but like being able to take criticism and and on on the flip side of that, people need to get better at giving giving criticism and feedback yeah. because some people just aren't regular at it. Um, but also there are, there are things that you can do with that. Like there are, you can, before you ask for feedback, you can tell someone, this is the kind of thing that I'm looking for. And you know, that's, that's how you get your feedback. It's a bit of an aside, but like all, all of these things are um, 
a part of game development. It's it's like you say, it's not just going to be if you can make a thing, if you can model stuff, then your career is going to be golden. There's mm -hmm. so much more that needs to go into it. Um, and if you want to teach game development, then uh, just know that it's just as tough. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, I, I will I will say actually, um, this seems about a perfect place to talk about it. Obviously, Game Dev London has started doing um, Game Dev London EDU. We have our own education program. Um, and part of the reason for that, A, is because of how hard it is to get into the industry. But also courses, um, especially if you're of a certain age um, or if you're transitioning from one career to another, then um, financially it can be massively painful to try and do a course on something, get to the end of it, you've spent all this money and you're like, actually, damn it, I don't think this is quite what I wanted to do. And so, yeah, Game of London is trying to create these education programs uh, that you can, that are smaller in, in scope and they're cheaper in price so that you can actually get a taste for, is that the thing that I want to do in game development? Is it that I want to be a character artist? Is it that I want to be um, a programmer? Like all of these things. Um, so nice, nice little plug for us there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's, uh, I, th I, th I think you're right. Let's, let's round this up here. Where can people find you online, find out more about you? Ooh, okay. So um, my website is probably the best place to go. It's just nilecrabtree.com. Um, I also have a YouTube channel. Just, if you just search Nile Crabtree. It will come up there where I post. Um, if you wanted to learn more about what it's like actually in the industry, we're posting a lot of content on there, just like days in the life of working in industry, um, that sort of thing. I'm probably going to be doing a video specific, uh, specifically about teaching at some point as well. Um, and then finally, just to be cheeky, plug one very specific thing. Um, I'm currently working on a board game, which is coming out in March of next year. Um, if you go to Kickstarter and the search uh, the game Fatal Knockout, um, you will find that and you can subscribe to be notified when it goes live. So, yeah. Nice. I, I highly recommend people go and uh, do that because yes. I know uh, that you're a great creator of games. Uh, and obviously, people can find me uh, all over the internet i'm on uh, um <clears throat> sorry i'm on all of the socials uh, at stuart deville uh, you can find me here at game dev london uh, or you can visit gamedev.london to find out not just about me but about everything that game dev london does uh, from the podcast to our events um to our educate our new education program um and everything in and beyond and between um, and obviously we would love it if you like, subscribe and follow us and all of those lovely things. Um, and we'll until next time, see you next Monday. Goodbye. See ya.